0: Do you want to go down to a 40-hour week without losing revenue? If you're ready to let go of all the extra hours, the stress, the overwhelm, and the clients who hijack your time, consider my signature program, Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind. In it, we'll get your accounting practice under control. We'll fix your pricing problems. I'll show you ways to price so you stop giving away the farm so you bring in more revenue for the work you're already doing. I'll help you disengage the clients who are good people but are holding your business back and slowing you down. I'll help you package up your services and design them so they're easy for your clients to understand and choose from while helping you simplify and standardize what you sell. And we'll focus on making your messaging more interesting and compelling so you attract more of the kinds of clients you want to work with and break out of the hodgepodge of referrals trap. We get your prices up, we get your workload down. We standardize, we simplify, we streamline. And we do this at a pace that feels doable, where you feel confident in every choice you make. Prices up, workload down. Registration is open now. We start Tuesday, May 7th. Come with us. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to find out more. Welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you work less and make more. My name is Geraldine Carter. Many CPAs struggle with pricing. It's not a topic that is commonly taught, but even less frequently discussed is your pricing mindset. In short, how you think about pricing. If you don't think about how you think about pricing, you may run on your default thinking. And if you run on your default thinking about your pricing, you're probably gonna leave money on the table. Here today to talk with me about this problem is my guest, Janine Liston. Janine is a certified pricing professional, and she works with small businesses to improve how they price so they can be more sustainably profitable. Janine, welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast.
1: Hi, Geraldine. Hi, everyone. I'm happy to be here.
0: So let's dive right in here. How do people think about pricing in a way that's erroneous? So there's, there's two
1: main things. One is they think... only goal is to set a price and then they're done. So like their definition of what pricing is, is extremely narrow, which means that there are things that you're not doing that you should be doing. That's one aspect. The other aspect is more tactical, which is what most people understand about pricing comes from being a consumer, especially from the retail industry. And if you try to take retail industry tactics and strategies and apply them to your small business, you're using tactics and strategies that aren't fit for purpose. They're actually, they have a different target in mind. For example, retail for clothing is all about moving inventory, moving inventory, moving into inventory. If you try to take those tactics and apply them to your CPA business, (laughs) they're not generally going to be the right tactics because they're trying to achieve a goal that you don't need to achieve
0: right volume yeah that's not the goal or not necessarily the goal anyways
1: not necessarily the goal one you need to be aware of where your tactics and strategies are coming from and two, how fit for purpose they are for the business that you're in and the goals that you want to achieve with them got you
0: okay so two things pricing is one and done which is not how it is, and perhaps using tactics that are not fit for the type of business, the business model that you have. Okay. Let's dig into pricing as one and done. How do people recognize the symptoms of if they're doing pricing as one and done where they just set, set it and forget it?
1: One of the one of the signs, especially if you're early in your business, is that you, you leave pricing to the last minute. So you're not thinking of it as integral to how you're going to achieve your business objectives. You're just looking at it as an activity that you need to check off a list before you go live. <laughs> yeah. Yes. In, a, in, a, in a sense. So i explain pricing so it's, it's kind of like a new definition pricing is about how you set how you get and how you manage prices and it's a way of being or behaving in your business so this is actually a mindset where you're always kind of thinking you know okay i want to make this decision in my business how is that affecting my pricing and therefore my profit because almost every decision you make in your business has some influence on or potentially has influence on your price and therefore potentially on your profit. So you need to be ready and agile to move with things, but you also need to understand the consequences of different business decisions. And if you only think of pricing as the first piece, as finding that number, da da, da, da. <laughs> you know, the number that everybody's looking for then you're not following through on communicating prices in the right way, on having conversations in the right way, which is the getting. Getting your prices is all about the communication piece of it. And then on managing prices, which means how do they change over time? And how do I, you know, right now we're in a time where companies are in a position they really need to make changes to prices in many cases, but they're terrified to do it and they don't necessarily know how to do it. So if you don't understand how to manage your prices, then you end up where a lot of businesses end up, which is they get five, 10, even more years down the road with prices that have never been adapted and their business is suffering or you know has one foot in the grave if you will (laughs) because they haven't made changes and then they have to make changes and they have to make such big changes that it's even scarier
0: and so let's talk about the scarier and the terrified what is the thought that precedes the scary and the terrified
1: they think that as soon as they raise their price even a little bit the customers are going to run for the hills You know, they're all going to get on a boat and launch off out into the ocean (laughs) and head somewhere else. That's, That's what goes on in people's minds. In most industries, prices are not that elastic. And by elastic, what we mean is that a small change in price leads to big changes in customer behavior. Most industries, you don't see that unless they're severely commoditized industries.
0: Right, okay. Let's um, talk about that just a bit because we haven't talked about price elasticity on this podcast. So can you give that example again, give some other examples of price e- where pricing is elastic and where it's not elastic so that people have a better understanding of, of this concept and how it may or may not be impacting their business?
1: So price elasticity is usually, what you're trying to determine is how sensitive is the market to changes in prices. And we generally will, most people will think that if they make a small increase in price, that many people will stop buying. Or if they make a small reduction in price, that lots of people will all of a sudden start to buy. (laughs) Yeah, so those are kind of the two ends of the spectrum, and what people are afraid of when they have to, especially raise their prices, is that customers will flee. So if you think of, you know, gasoline as a is a good example because it is very elastic. Small changes in prices, and and I can give a very good example. I live here in Switzerland, and around the corner is a a gas station and um, local shop, and they've had a sign for the last three or four months that says five roppin which is like pennies five roppin per liter off gas so for every liter you get five roppin back and about two days ago i walked by and it said three roppin instead of five Which is Which is? I mean, you wouldn't think that two rappen, two pennies per liter, would make a big difference. Uh, but I was talking to someone, and they said, "No, no, this, the co-op about a kilometer down the street still has their five rappen off sign, so I go there." <laughs> And so in this case, the price is really a lot, you know, for this person, you could say, the price is elastic enough that they're willing to drive an extra kilometer to save two rappen per liter on their gasoline. And because gasoline is relatively perceived as a commodity, like one tank of gas is more or less the same or the other and so on and so forth, then you have more price sensitivity and therefore a higher price elasticity. But for most, especially service-based businesses, you can differentiate yourself, you can target different groups, you can work with, you know, if you're a CPA, you can work with specific types of businesses, which means then you're a specialist in that industry or that type of business, which means that you can charge a different price than somebody who's a generalist. And typically, your prices will not be so sensitive that if you change your price by a ropin or two or a penny or two, that it would make a big difference to your customers.
0: I've been seeing this with clients who last fall, early last winter, we did significant price raises, especially for people who hadn't raised their prices in sort of like you were alluding to, you know, five, 10 years and they're way, way, way behind, did significant price hikes and saw a very small reduction in client, uh, in client load. So it, when I say very small, I'm talking like less than 5% on a 30 to 50% price increase. So I take it as a couple things. Number one, significantly underestimating the value that you are in fact providing to your clients because they're willing to pay so much more. And like you say, the price is inelastic. It has, it's not a commodity. They're coming to you for other reasons. And the service that they may get down the street, a kilometer down the street, is not the same as what they're going to get with you. And they're not sensitive to the price. They're not making their decision primarily solely on price. I jumped in on you, so continue what no,
1: you No, were- I, 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 was, I was wrapping that, that piece up. I, the elasticity, people overestimate how reactive customers will be to price changes. Uh, and therefore, it stops them from managing their prices in an effective way. And so, if we go back to this set, get, and manage, if you, if your definition of pricing only includes setting, you're missing two-thirds of the equation.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: <laughs> Which means that there's things that you're not doing that is going to help you remain sustainably profitable in your business or continue to grow profit in your business, depending on what your goals are.
0: Okay, great. There is one piece here that I... Um, That I do feel warrants mentioning for listeners, and that is that it's sure there are clients out there who are price sensitive and who will squawk at a pennies on the dollar price increase on your returns. But those are not the clients that I coach my clients to build their businesses around. We're not designing our business to satisfy the squawkers. We're looking for a whole other set of clientele who are. Not so price sensitive. I mean, it's not that they're going to spend four hundred thousand dollars to get your return to get a return done, but they're not so price sensitive that they're sensitive to these small, relatively small increases. I want to dig in a little bit more on setting prices, and the idea that there is one right magic price. And as as like numbers people, we love the right answer, right? <laughs> we, we were we did not do creative writing because there were too many possible right answers, and that freaked us out. We want the one right answer. And the tendency is to apply that kind of thinking to pricing. There is one right. I have to find and pick the right price for this. Otherwise, it won't sell. Can you talk about how to shift that mindset into finding multiple right prices and pricing things using multiple different tactics to appeal to people who aren't necessarily buying on price? They're buying on different ways to work with you or pay you
1: you know, sometimes I think when people come to me, potential clients come to me and they say, Janine, I need your help. I think that they, in their mind, in some way, they believe there's a little Rolodex in my head (laughs) and that they say, okay, I'm in this country and I'm, you know, creating this kind of product and I'm selling it to these people. Tell me where the price is and I go click, click, click in my head (laughs) and can pull a price out. And, It's not like that. The thing is, there are lots of prices that are right for your business and your customers. Your job is to find the price range that you can work in, within. And then, depending on the different types of customer segments that you have, you can create, in this case, offers, you know, uh, service offers that hit at different price points that are related to different points of value. And that way you can, you know, serve some people who maybe don't want as much value at a price point that works for them. And the people who want the premium value, you have an offer for them. And then you can sell across this width or this range of prices that are suitable for your business so it's a bit more nuanced than just you know finding a needle in a haystack which on the one hand is good news because finding a range is much higher than uh, easier than finding a point right Um, on the other hand it means that if you're looking for a mathematical equation to find your price (laughs) um, there isn't one It's not a calculation, it's actually a thought process.
0: So what is the thought process then?
1: So the thought process that I use with my clients is five steps. First, we look at the customer, who you're targeting, and get an idea of their willingness to pay or ability to pay, depending on who it is you're targeting, based on uh, what their willingness or ability to pay is to have that problem solved, not necessarily with your solution, but to have that problem solved. Then the second step is we look at the offer, make sure we have the right offer. We understand the third step, which is the value of the offer in economic terms. I mean, and you guys will like this, assigning a number To the economic value (laughs) yeah so I help my customer save this much time or I help them manage the risk and it has this financial impact potentially on their business I mean really getting into the numbers and people miss this often step number four that's one two three is the marketplace and I use steps four and five as a check check in the marketplace, who else is out there, where am I positioned relative to that? And then the fifth is cost and profit, which is your guys' wheelhouse, (laughs) where you look at, okay, with these prices that I've come up with in these first three or four steps, What is it going to take for me to have a profitable business? When you go through those five steps, then you have a really good understanding of the price from a cost plus perspective, from a market perspective, from a value perspective, and from the customer's perspective.
0: Okay. So you're using those different steps to sort of help you complete the picture and look at the problem from a variety of different angles and sort of cross-check and ask yourself, does this make sense looking at it this way? Does it make sense looking at it the other way? Am I within the range or am I totally out in left field here with this price?
1: And where do I want to be? Yeah. Where do I want to be in that range? If I want to be the low price leader then I'm going to position myself towards the bottom of the range. If I want to, if I'm offering a luxury good, then I may put myself outside the range even. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's different businesses will then zero in on different directions depending on who they're targeting and, and what they're, what ultimately they're offering to
0: people. I want to talk about being the luxury leader, if you will, because I think there's enormous opportunity here. And I just use the term luxury because just to kind of tug on what you put out there, but being the leader at the more expensive end of things. Not that that should necessarily be the best strategy for everybody, but just opening up this option, helping people see that there is a a space over here where there is perhaps much less competition and maybe easier to run a business in the more premium space than it is to run a business trying to be the winner in the low-cost space. And I think there's a lot of competition among CPAs. I don't think they think of themselves as directly competing with the people around them, but they're inadvertently competing with the folks around them in the low-cost space. And I think reluctant trepidatious, afraid to step out into the premium space for a lot of reasons, but there's a ton of opportunity there. So can you talk about, do you find resistance among your clients to go in the direction of premium if there's a wide open lane with, with very little competition? What prevents people from going there?
1: So I think one thing that prevents people from seeing themselves in that area is, is simply fear. Because you know they say to themselves, there's this little voice somewhere in their head saying, well, who am I to put myself there? Yeah. So I think that that's a big part of it. I think, and, and I have an, a great example with a client of mine recently who was offering their specialist in environmental uh, topics and waste management and offering events for that. And we had a long conversation. If you call what you offer team events, people will perceive you as a team event organizer. And that puts you in a certain price category, which is a relatively low price category. (laughs) Whereas if you call yourself uh, employee engagement experiences or programs, that will put you in a completely different area. So why am I, why I'm talking about this, a big part of, you being able to put yourself in that more premium category is being able to communicate the value of what you offer one in the right way two better than the rest
0: oh keep going
1: so here's another example this one's even simpler and it shows it, sh- it shows you the power of being able to communicate the value better than the other person. So let's say you're walking down the street. You come across two lemonade stands. There's two young children there. Each has a lemonade stand. One says lemonade uh, 25 cents. The other says lemonade 50 cents. Which one would you buy? You know, most people see a couple of kids. They might buy one from each just because it's, you know, to support them. But what if the one that was 50 cents also said clean water included? (laughs) (laughs) Right? So now it may be brother and sister and mom is in the kitchen making two pitchers of lemonade, right? But because one communicated the value in a different way. Yeah. They're in a much better position to charge a much higher price, in this case, double. And if this was in a country where clean water isn't assumed, (laughs) then they have an even better position in the marketplace. So even if you're offering CPA services that are the same, you may be able to charge a bit more if you're better at communicating the value. And if you're actually offering more value, that's where you can charge even more and push yourself more towards the premium side of the price
0: range. Okay, let's dig in here because I think on a lot of accountants' websites, I see things like, we are accurate and we are honest and we have integrity. I think those things are presumed, but if you talk to accountants, they will say that things like, you know, I have this client and I'm doing their taxes, but their accounting is being done by somebody else and their books are a mess. So there are, in fact, accuracy problems. But the client doesn't really know whether or not the bookkeeping is being done accurately or not. The reason that they have hired an accountant is because they have no idea how to keep their own books. Or they, I mean, maybe they do, but most likely they don't, right? So I appreciate the example of the lemonade and the clean water included, but how is Straighten this out for listeners when accuracy seems like table stakes to the buyer, but in fact may not be if you're an accountant behind the scenes and know the work of other people. Is this something that you would even use or would you go somewhere else?
1: Well, here's the thing. A lot of times what we communicate as value are our words of what we think the customer wants, but they should be the words that the customer is speaking. Now, when you ask your customers, what do you want from accounting services, or even you would probably not put it that way, you know, how far up on the list is accuracy? Is that really that important to them and a main driver of why they're buying from one CPA versus another, or one accountant versus another? I would guess that it's probably not in the top three.
0: Yeah, or top 10.
1: Trust, I would guess, yes. is very high. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, you know, ability to save the money or, um, you know, I, I'm sure if people went and interviewed their customers to really understand, they would talk about a different set of criteria potentially. And and so the mismatch there is that they're not actually communicating around the right value points potentially. The other thing is that it's very dependent on who you're targeting. So if you're a CPA and you say, or if you're any kind of service provider and you say, oh, well, I'll work for all, I, everybody can use my service. That generally doesn't help you because you instantly position yourself as a generalist, which means your messaging has to be very general <laughs> and your pricing becomes less than average because in order to be able to capture enough volume you have to have relatively low prices and that that is really so very important a lot of my clients end up re envisioning themselves and their business as boutique consultancies or boutique service providers and we do that i always i bring that up with them when it's the right thing because a boutique consultancy or a service provider just by calling it that in your own mind elevates it you're not just any kind of consultant you're a boutique consultant and if you can elevate in that your own mind your own mindset first, then the way that you work with and communicate with and engage with your customers will be elevated as well.
0: Okay, so we've come full circle, boutique, premium, believing that you are and being better than the rest.
1: And, Geraldine, and behaving like it. It's not a fake it till you make it. Yeah, it really, it can't, you actually have to believe it. And that's one of the things when it comes to pricing, I think a lot of people don't believe or understand why their prices are what they are. They don't understand why they are what they are, so they don't believe in them. And so that comes through and how they position themselves and how they talk about them. A lot of times when I meet a new prospect, I'll ask them, okay, so what do you charge? And they'll go, oh, 500? Like it's a question. Like, why are you asking me? <laughs> Now, I know because of what I do, people are always hesitant about what they say. But if that's the way they answer the question when a client asks.
0: Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, your prices should not be followed by a question marked. So let's go over to updating prices, because I think this is where people struggle. And you've given us the five step process that you walk people through. The customer, the offer, the value of the offer tested in the marketplace, check your cost and profit. When it comes to actually updating your prices, especially with existing clients, what are some suggestions for how to navigate that and some pitfalls to be sure to avoid?
1: So if you're looking at increasing prices, because usually people aren't too bothered when they have to lower prices, which I think should should be the other way around. But anyways, <laughs> we won't go down that rabbit hole. So when it comes to increasing prices in general, the instinct that people have is to justify it right to start explaining away why they're doing this and why they are doing that and one of the best tips that I can give people is to instead of saying well cost and going up and this is happening and that is happening just say in order to serve you better we are blah 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 <laughs> that to me is usually enough explanation and then you remind them some of the key reasons that of, of value, why they work with you, why they choose to work with you. And to me, that is the best type of explanation that
0: you can give because it's not defensive. And it has the benefit of being true. <laughs> yeah. We do serve you better when we raise your prices and you get better results when we serve you better. It is worth it to you when we raise your prices. It is good for you. It's good for everybody. It's good for everybody. It's very difficult to get your mind around that. We've been trained that low price is always better, but high prices can be better for your clients, for the right clients, if you've identified the right marketplace.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, there are cases where people overprice themselves. So, you know, we we don't want to fully ignore that, but I would say most especially small businesses, um, like micro-businesses even, you know, they struggle, especially in the first five to 10 years with underpricing themselves. That's what just sort of happens uh, for many different reasons. Uh, But when it comes to then changing them, what a lot of people do is they just get into the cycle of, okay, well, I'll tell them, you know, my costs are going up, so I have to change their costs. And I mean, I don't really care if Microsoft's or Apple's costs are going up. It really doesn't matter to me one way or the other. So, in terms of value, here we are with value again. Lean into the value instead of the negative things when you're communicating a price change. Now, something else that's really important is think about: Do you need to announce a change and to whom? Because in some businesses, if you don't have, re- if you're in a business where you don't have repeat clients because it's kind of a one off deal, or they buy once every three years, then there's no real need to make a big communication around it. If you have repeat clients, then of course, you're going to want to make a communication. And you may choose to have different communications for different types of clients as well, depending on the situation. I would give them advanced notice.
0: How much advanced notice would you give three months, six months, a year? What? It, it
1: depends. It depends on the business, oops, sorry, or the industry. Uh, some in, some industries, they have contracts that they renew on a yearly basis. So they have to do it, you know, prior to the contract negotiation terms. I've seen people give, you know, one or two weeks. Um, it really depends. And if you are going to, let's say, in some cases, segmented customer groups like a customers b customers c customers a being the ones that we absolutely want to keep so we may give them a slightly different communication than other customers and in that case you may choose to say um how would i put this in some industries what they want to do is they want to encourage people to pre-book something at the old price (laughs) So they will make a special offer. Okay, so take advantage of this. If you order now within the next 30 days, you can capture this price. Otherwise, you'll have to pay the new price. So it depends on the industry. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So you can afford with a price increase to lose a few clients. So you don't need to be scared about it unless you think everybody's going to run. And chances are, unless you're already really pushing the limit with your price, it isn't. If you're scared about it, Pick something small and just try it.
0: Test it, see what happens, learn from the experiment, build your confidence, and then go from there. Janine, this has been fabulous. If people want to find out more about you or some of the tools you offer, where can they do that?
1: So I suggest they head on over to The Pricing Lady. If you go to thepricinglady.com backslash goodies, then you can download a copy of my self-assessment pricing scorecard.
0: Excellent. We will link to both of those in the show notes. It's been so great to have you today. Thank you so much for being on the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast.
1: Thank you, Geraldine, and thanks to everyone listening. It's been a real pleasure to be here today.
0: Does the idea of offering premium prices for boutique services seem dreamy, but you can't see the path to get there? The next time you charge someone 75 bucks for the 30 minutes it took you to run a tax plan that saved your client 25 grand, and you think to yourself, I got to not do this anymore. Stop what you're doing and head over to shethinksbigcoaching.com to subscribe to my daily drip of business strategy for CPAs. You'll get one easily digestible tip a day on how to position your business, how to price services, and how to sell outcomes so that you can be more profitable, get your time back, and get off the tax hamster wheel for once and for all. That URL again is shethinksbigcoaching.com. All right, That's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In down to 40 hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Registration is open now, but it won't be for long. Go to GeraldineCarter.com now to enroll today.